You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. He was the guy that we thought was our, you know, our first string back, and we thought maybe one thing that we needed to do better was give him the ball and, and let him stay in the game and maybe find a better rhythm. I'm feeling real good. Like I said, I mean, I felt confident coming out the first drive. We're getting a great push up front. I just feel like as an offense as a whole, once we get rolling, we feel like we can't be stopped. If you want to be a great team, you have to win on the road. And so really what you have to do is be able to approach it preparation-wise uh, as if it's the same. I always talk about the common denominators. There's going to be a field and lines on the field and goalposts. But it is different. You have to handle the travel. you got to do all that stuff. And then you got to play in the game. So... I think it's really good for us right now, and I, and I think that, uh, again, how you do on the road is a big part of what your season is going to be about. And the Huskers go on the road, as you heard Mike Riley say. This will be a big week in the early stages of the Mike Riley era as Nebraska will travel to Miami for a 2.30 Central game uh, at Sun Life Stadium. Welcome to another edition of the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, and Dan Hoppen. Uh, and you heard out of the gates, Mike Riley and running back Terrell Newby just talking about the big game uh, that was for Newby on Saturday, finishing with 28 carries for 198 yards. And I think Mike Riley, guys, Robin just said, hey, this whole committee thing, no, 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 no. We're going to get a guy going. We need to establish somebody before we take this team out to Miami. Yeah, the running back by committee approach lasted all about one week, and it was pretty obvious that it really was kind of outside Mike Riley and Danny Langsdorf's comfort zone. Um, you know, I think he said that if you look at the the course of his career, he's usually always had that one guy they can give the ball twenty five to thirty times a game and uh, be that feature back. And so that was clearly the intent uh, on Saturday against South Alabama was to establish Terrell Newby from the very beginning, get him going, and uh, it certainly paid off. And I think we'll probably continue to see that uh, from here on. Well, it's funny because, you know, the coaching staff talked about how they wanted to get rid of that committee. They got rid of it. I mean, I don't know <laughs> if if, uh, if another running back even saw the field on the first four or five drives. There is no question that Terrell Newby is the number one back in this offense, and poor Imani Cross and Mikhail Wilbon barely even saw the field. Divino Zigbo almost got as many carries late in the game, and, and he looked good, by the way, running the ball. But, yeah, the, but the only question, I think, and everybody has this question – can Terrell Newby mm -hmm. be a home run guy, or is he just going to be kind of a leadoff singles hitter that gets on base? Because that's what he was on Saturday. A lot of nice 5- to 12-yard runs, but when you start getting into that 20-40, to 40, uh, there aren't a lot of those runs, Dan. Yeah, he actually leads the Big Ten through two weeks with 11 um, rushes of 10 or more yards. So he's a guy who can you know, get some yardage, but I know Rob and I were talking about mm -hmm. this during the game. He's very good, I think, you know, kind of in the mess, you know, between the tackles and stuff cut. like that. Yes, he can make cuts and he can do stuff like that. But when he gets in the open field and he's one-on-one -on -one with a guy, you know, we've seen over the last couple of seasons, Amir would just embarrass people in the open just field. And one mixtape on guys. Exactly. And I don't know if Terrell Newby can do that. And, yeah. that, and that's going to limit his explosive ability. Exactly. And that's what it takes to be a home run hitter running back. I mean, at some point when you're matched up one-on-one -on -one in the open field, you've got to make a play. And right now, uh, we just haven't seen those ankle-breaking ability moves uh, that we've seen from previous backs uh, out of Terrell Newby. But, uh, again, you know, I think that that's just something that comes with time. And, you know, <laughs> the more chances you get, uh, the better you're going to have. And the total number, Dan, was what, 254 or 258 for the Huskers in the win? Rushing yards? 
258, yes. 258. Average and, seven know, yards a carry. It felt like more, and I think when you don't run the quarterback, it's harder to go for 300 in a game. When you're just going exclusively to the tailbacks, you know, you're asking those guys to do a lot more. And Tommy Armstrong only had a couple of design runs. Two carries for four yards. So they were very protective yeah. with Tommy. Weird situations, too. Like third and long design QB keeper type mm-hmm. things. So it was cu- obviously, you know, they were not going out of their way to, to get show him, Miami. Yeah, to get him involved. So Well, 21 of 30, 200 and uh, almost 300 yards passing. Uh, and what impressed me was the way Tommy scanned the field. He mm-hmm. wasn't just zoning in on Jordan Westerkamp. Which has been an issue for him. He looked at his receivers. Mm-hmm. And that's coaching, guys. That is coaching by Danny Langstorff and Mike Riley. Uh, turning a guy into a different player in a short time. Now, we'll see how it is in the bigger games. Right. But it's been impressive, Rob, in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, like like you said, uh, it's got to be something that he does with an actual pass rush in his face. And I'm sure that uh, he'll get a taste of that. Uh, here on Saturday, but clearly that's probably one of the most uh, uh, promising things that we've seen from Tommy Armstrong through the first two games is you know that that one knock of him uh, zeroing in on receivers and not even looking for a check down. That doesn't seem to be the case anymore. I mean, he's scanning the field, he's finding the open guy, and uh, he's making plays and been a lot more efficient as a result of it. Well, to your point, Sean, about not zoning in on Westerkamp, Westerkamp, four targets. Um, he actually, that was the fifth most on the team. Uh, there Lane, were, Lane or, Hovey and Brandon Riley had more targets. Yes, right? as did Alonzo Moore and Stanley Morgan Jr. There were five wide receivers with four or more targets, and that's without DeMornay Pearsonell out mm-hmm. there. So uh, I, I think that the coaching staff is doing a really good job of rotating these receivers in and keeping them all fresh, but Tommy's also doing a good job of spreading the ball around, not allowing the defense to zone in on one or two guys. Let's move on now and talk a little Miami here um, as we wrap up this opening segment. You go on the road. First time the Huskers have played in South Florida since the 1998 Orange Bowl victory over Peyton Manning in Tennessee. Uh, So it's been a long time since the Huskers have played down in Miami. Uh, They've played in 17 Orange Bowls. Adidas has made a uh, commemorative shoe that has received some mixed reviews in the locker room. I got a no comment from Michael Rose on the shoes. Not a fan. I I don't mind them, but yeah, they're not. I could I could see the 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 yeah. critics. Palm trees in Nebraska kind of makes you scratch your head a little bit. <laughs> but you know this this Miami team is not the Miami team we grew up with, Robin. This is not a Warren Sapp, Ray Lewis, Ed Reed Miami team. Their front seven, uh, according to Gary Furman, our colleague at CaneSports.com, it's about as weak as it's ever been at Miami. They gave up nearly 400 yards in the first half. To Florida Atlantic. Well, when I talked to Gary in the spring, just doing a, a spring practice review, uh, that was one thing that he said. He, I asked him to name the best player on defense, and he said there wasn't one. And that's been, uh, and I think that's remained the case on into this first two couple games here. Uh, that that Miami's defense is a real issue for them. You know, obviously they have uh, an elite quarterback and Brad Brad Kaya and uh, you know some skill position guys that are capable of making plays. But uh, you got to look at how much they lost to the NFL last year on both sides of the ball. And I mean, I don't care what team you are and how well you recruit. When you lose that much talent in one class, uh, you're going to have to have to some pieces to pick up. So Miami's clearly dealing with. That now and like you mentioned uh, defense is probably the biggest struggle point for them uh, early on how big though Dan when you look at this game the way they lost the BYU I think everybody thought three and one was kind of the realistic non-conference record for this team if they go two and two that really takes this season down a different path how important is this game in your eyes 
and kind of making this opening season for Mike Riley stay on track? I think it's huge. I, I think, you know, you lose this game and it really takes a lot of the wind out of Nebraska's sails. You know, everybody's feeling good this week. Nebraska looked great against South Alabama, but it's South Alabama. I mean, <laughs> you better look good. Yeah, th- this is a Miami team that Nebraska is, you know, just as talented, if not more talented than. It's going to be tough because it's on the road, but this is a game that Nebraska should probably win. I mean, when you just look at it, I think Nebraska should be favored. They probably should win this game. And, you know, if you're Mike Riley, this is one that you really want. I think the last spread was about four and a half. It's down to three and a half. Three and now. a half. So, I mean, I think that's going to continue to go down. And like you mentioned, Sean, this is the first time since 98 Nebraska's got a chance to play in South Beach. I have a feeling there's going to be quite a few Husker fans showing up down there. And we all know about uh, Miami's uh, impressive attendance number that they put up over the years. So, I, I don't know if how much much that home field advantage is going to play into Miami's favor. I'm looking forward to it, guys. I'm looking forward to Dan buying us a round of mojitos when we get yes. down there. Yes. Me and the young guy and the staff. We gotta. Hey, as long as we get some Cuban food, yeah, I'll, my, I'll pay for whatever else. My wife's cousin, Waldo, I believe, is going to take us out to Little Havana. My wife is Cuban and has family in Miami, so this is a, a trip that I'm looking forward to just to go down and, and enjoy the, the sights and sounds, and we are staying in South Beach, so... Uh, it should be interesting. And Let's go. I, I got my white linen pants ready to roll here. <laughs> Turn up. <laughs> All right. When we come back, we'll talk more offensive storylines, what we learned out of South Alabama, and what we'll be watching here ahead this week. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. I've said it you know, time in, time out. Just uh, you know, those guys are talented. You know, you just got to be able to give them the ball in the right situation. And um, I think that's that's what I try to do. You know, my coaches put me in a great position to do that. You know, when you got guys like that that can make plays with their feet and catch balls in certain situations, then, uh, you know, you just got to be able to give them the ball. And that's that's my job. Just got to just make sure that I put the ball on them in the right situation. And you know, I felt myself kind of underthrowing some balls here and there. But um, overall, as a unit, um, in the past game, I think we did well. We could do better. We're looking forward to improving this week. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. That was quarterback Tommy Armstrong after his 21-30 of performance for nearly 300 yards against South Alabama, 70% passing. He's 63.4% completion percentage now on the season. Uh, That's about as high as Armstrong's ever been. Um, through you know a, a two-game body of work in his career, so this this is a, a great start for Armstrong, and you, you saw him. He got a lot of help from those receivers, and you know we touched on that earlier. But if Nebraska's offense is going to continue to do well, they don't necessarily have that. I mean, Terrell Newby showed he can be that guy, Robin, but these receivers are almost kind of like running backs at times as well. I mean, they're so versatile too. And uh, once again, we saw Alonzo Moore go out and make plays. That's uh, about as encouraging as anything, but uh, I'll toot the lane hovey horn one more time. I mean, career night for that kid. And uh, if you can get guys like that to step up, I mean, it just shows how deep Nebraska's receiving core actually is. Like Dan mentioned, they did all that without a DeMornay Pearsonell in there, without a Seathan Carter in there. And now you add a Carter back into the lineup this week, the offense is only even getting more potent. So uh, I really like what Tommy was able to do to get as many people involved as possible. And uh, again, like Dan mentioned, you know, you, you can't just lock in on a Jordan Wester camp. You have to uh, get uh, as many different people involved keep defenses honest and keep them guessing and with the playmakers you have it's only to your benefit to to use as many of them as possible I just love what Danny Langsdorf has done with this offense through two games 41 of Tommy's 71 passing attempts have been for uh 
10 or fewer yards as far as where the receiver caught the ball from the line of scrimmage. He's just asking Tommy to get the ball out of his hands quickly, get it in the receiver's hands, and let the receivers make a play, whether that's on a screen or a swing pass or just something short. I think that that's perfect. That fits what Tommy you know, can do. It's got to get in rhythm, basically. Yes, and it fits what this receiving core can do. I think that this is a pretty good uh, receiving core as far as yards after the catch go. When you look at Alonzo Moore, Stanley Morgan, even Lane Hovey, I thought, did a really nice job after the catch the other night. So loving what Dana Langsdorf's doing right now, and I think it's helping Tommy a lot. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Dan Hoppen were Talking offense out of South Alabama as the Huskers get ready for Saturday's 2.30 p.m. Central Time game uh, at Miami. And the whole Husker Online team, we're going to be down there, Dan and Robin and myself, uh, providing full coverage of the Huskers' trip out to Miami. And uh, when you look at at the offensive line, guys, um, I thought they played a lot better. I mean, the protection was there. Now, granted, they were going against South Alabama, but, you know, you're going to get a lot of junk defenses, a lot of high-pressure looks. And I thought Nebraska's offensive line did a really good job in in protection on Saturday, Robin. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, one issue against BYU and the whole week going into that BYU game was how BYU was going to throw all sorts of kitchen sink blitzes at them. Well, that really wasn't the issue. It was just guys getting beat one-on-one, especially on the inside. And I thought uh, each one of those guys, particularly those two guards, uh, held their own in in one-on-one pass protection matchups. And I mean, that that obviously has to happen. Uh, Tommy is significantly better when he has time to actually sit in the pocket and go through those reads. Uh, And so as if they're able to continue that, that's only going to benefit Tommy uh, going forward. Yeah, great bounce back game for the guards. They needed it. They came through. You you look to um, uh, one of the comments from South Alabama, Robin, after the game, uh, one of their defensive backs said that Nebraska's offense, the way they blocked, just what they did as an effort, as a team group, uh, was as impressive as anything about their play on Saturday. He goes, they maybe didn't have the most athletic guys, but everybody was in unison. They were a team. They were in rhythm. And they played hard, and, and, and they were as good up front blocking as any team they've ever played before, and that includes some teams like South Carolina and Tennessee. Yeah, for a coaching staff, especially a new coaching staff, that's about as high of a compliment as you can get uh, to say that uh, you know your, t- your team effort it w- was that high. And you know I think that that uh, shows with the production they had in the running game. Uh, but uh, you know, like you mentioned, the guy was talking not only about the offensive line and you know the the tight ends, and fullbacks, but the wide receivers were you know throwing down blocks and uh, just that. that that aggression and that commitment uh, to you know being a complete working machine in the running game, I think, is going to be uh, kind of the defining character of uh, Nebraska's running game. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show as we we talk offensive storylines going into Miami, and, and one of the big storylines, Dan, for Nebraska this week will be the return of tight end Seath and Carter, and Carter has missed the last two weeks. We know the situation at tight end right now. David Sutton was taken out by a cheap shot by BYU, and I'll say that every week for the rest of the year. It it's wasn't, 100% true. It was a cheap shot by Bronco Mendenhall and his uh, clean-cut crew of uh, BYU guys. But, hey, uh, you know they're, they're thin. Trey Foster's out right now, or not out, but hobbling. Um, Janovich has been playing some tight end. So getting Seathan Carter back this week is huge. Yeah, and this is a guy when Mike Riley was first hired, you know, we went and kind of looked at – his tendencies at Oregon State, and he he likes to use the tight end a lot. And so a lot of people kind of hyped up Seathan Carter as a guy, you know, who could potentially have a breakout season. We didn't really see that in fall camp or or spring practice. And and it's you know it, I'm ex, 
I'm looking forward to seeing if that's a product of Nebraska maybe didn't feature him as much because they knew he would be suspended Mm -hmm. or if the coaching staff really just doesn't have a lot of faith in him. This is a guy who's clearly talented. He's clearly very athletic for the position. He just needs to be able to put it together. And I think that that's going to be one of the things I'm really excited to watch this weekend to see if Seathan can kind of, you know, show some signs of life. Like you mentioned with the injuries, he's going to get playing time. Yeah, and to Dan's point, I think that some of that did have to do with you know, knowing he wasn't going to be available for two games because in the spring, one thing that we saw a lot of was the tight end screen game and just getting him involved in, in that aspect. And uh, we didn't really see much of that at all uh, in the fall. And so I would expect to see that kind of come back a little bit more. And that's a whole other dimension you can add to Nebraska's offense. And the other thing, guys, I, I really like about this offense through two games is you can't just scheme for one thing. I think in the past... When Amir Abdullah was here, you pretty much knew Nebraska was going to run it 70% of the time, and they were going to throw a lot of shots downfield the other times. Uh, with, with, the, with this team, you can't do that. You can't scheme just for the pass, just for the run. I, I think um, the diversity um, and the flexibility of what they've shown is, is what gives them a chance right now because they've proven – they can run for 250, but they can throw for 300, and, and that's a scary combination. There aren't a lot of teams in the Big Ten that can say that right now. Well, and you, you hate to be an offense that, that uh, is going to take what the defense gives you, especially around here, but that's exactly what you know they're kind of doing. But at the same time, uh, they're also kind of instilling their will a little bit, especially now that they've committed to that one-back approach in the running game. I think you'll start to see a lot more production out of that than we did uh, in, in the first week against BYU when they were you know really trying to feel the position out and you know if Tommy continues to uh, have the efficiency that he's shown that's going to make it really difficult uh, for opposing defenses to really know what to lock in on especially like we talked about earlier uh, even in the passing game there's not just one or two guys you have to cover I mean there's five or six potentially that uh, Tommy can use at his disposal we'll wrap things up here guys We'll, we'll come back and we'll talk defense next you're listening to the Husker online show This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. It was great to have Michael Rose Ivy back. I thought he came in and played. Looked like he was waiting for that time. He played with a lot of enthusiasm and and made plays. As far as me personally, you know, I I felt good. Still got some rust, you know, a little bit. As far as uh, managing, you know, my win before game, I think I was just a little bit too too jacked up before the game. But I guess that comes with, you know, not being able to play for uh, almost two years now. So, um... It was, a, it was a great start. You know what I mean? It was a great start, but uh, still got a lot of things to work on. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. And there's no doubt about it, Nebraska's defense got a major lift from the appearance of Michael Rose Ivy back in this defense. And the coaching staff recognized that on Monday. Uh, not only Michael Rose Ivy, but Jonathan Rose, uh, both were awarded their black shirts Um kind of in a more ceremonial role uh, compared to how they did it with the other players. Mark Banker uh, had a few words and presented those black shirts on Monday to those guys. And for Michael Rose Ivy, this is actually hard to believe, Robin. He has never been given a black shirt, even in 2013 when by the end of that year, he was arguably 
their top linebacker for a lot of that season when they beat Georgia and the game. He Gator turned Bowl. that defense around over those final six or seven games. The Illinois game when he kind of emerged that year, he was never given a black shirt by Bo Pelini. So for him, uh, an emotional day on Monday. Really, it is kind of hard to believe that you know he's never gotten one, and not only an emotional day for him, but you know Mark Banker even kind of you know showed his feelings a little bit when when asked about it after Monday's practice. You know, he said that. Uh, not giving Michael Rose Ivy a black shirt with those initial 11 was one of the hardest things that they had to do so far because uh, they know full well how important he is to this team, not only on the field, but as that that leader in the locker room. I mean, he's one of the most vocal guys you're going to find on that team. And, um, you know, that was a really hard deal uh, to, to leave him out of that mix, especially, you know, when he's certainly earned it uh, in the locker room and on the practice field. But uh, what Banker was saying is that, uh, you know, during that kind of transition uh, this past winter, you know, when the, the previous regime was uh, moved out and the new coaching staff took over and then he's rehabbing his knee injury, uh, he let his grades slip almost to the point where it was uh, he was unable to recover from and it. And he was originally on the Big 12, not Big 10, Big 12 honor list. I and mean, he was a yeah. guy that was uh, a solid three-point-something B student um, for the beginning part of his career at yeah, Nebraska. That, that goes to show, I mean, just kind of the toll that, you know, the, all that – those situations took on him and uh there he was at a crossroads really i mean he, he had to really uh, make a decision one way or another you're either going to kind of let this thing get the best of you you're going to kind of put your foot to the grindstone and uh really get after it. and he he did uh, he took 24 credit hours in the span where most people would take 15 credit hours according to mark banker and uh, was able to get his grades back on track and uh, you know he he took his suspension and sprot and stride uh, you know on twitter he was you know kind of just saying i made a mistake and i'm going to make the best of it and uh, you know has really owned up to, to you know the mistakes that he made and uh, I thought that uh, Saturday's performance was a, a perfect way uh, to reintroduce himself back to Nebraska's defense. Yeah, Banker said quote he had almost no pulse when it came to getting back in as far as you know his academics go and I know that you know anyone who's ever been around Michael Rose Ivy talked to him interviewed him anything that's just a really weird quote mm -hmm. to read because this is a passionate guy, a very intelligent guy, yeah. um, very well spoken. You know, he's a really, really smart, you know, uh, mature young man, and and I think he just must have really been down or something. I I can't even. It just blows my mind that you know this would even be an issue for him. But kudos to him for really fighting back and getting himself in this position because Nebraska needs him. It's tough when you take something away from anybody in life that they love. A lot of people have a hard time with that, and I'm glad that he's back doing what he loves. And Absolutely. He's gotten what he wants more than anything, that black shirt. And let's face it, right now he is their best linebacker. Clearly. I mean, clearly. I mean, I, I know Josh Banderas has had the potential, uh, but Josh needs to get healthy. And, you know, re talking to some people this week, um, it's not a slam dunk. He plays at Miami on Saturday. Um, it's kind of one of those Brandon Riley 2014 injuries where it's going to be nagging. And if you come back on it too soon, it's going to get worse. It's a, a growing injury um, that he's going to fight through. Dedrick Young had an infection on his foot. They expect him back. But uh, this Banderas one is, is, I think, one you got to watch. Absolutely. And it'll be interesting to see if he is out what the coaching staff does. You know, we saw Chris Weber start this past week, and I thought Chris played pretty well and did a good job. But. Um, Trent Bray also said that Michael Rose Ivy has been working 
back at the Mike linebacker spot, which is not something that was the case as recently as a couple weeks ago. So if the coaching staff wanted, they could slide him back into that Mike role if uh, if that's the way they choose to go. Yeah, you, you look at this defense too. Another guy that had a big game on Saturday night was freedom at defensive end. I mean, you look at what he brought to the table um, no one really knew how he would emerge, but sometimes when you give a player an opportunity and, and say, hey, we need you to perform, he did it. And he came out there, and he had a career night in his early career. He's only played two games. Right. Uh, but for his second game at Nebraska starting, um, it was an unbelievable performance by Freedom at defensive end. And it just further shows that the potential this kid has. I mean, he, he has barely even scratched how good he can be. Uh, I mean, athletically, he, like we've said from the day that he made this transition from defensive end to tight end, or tight end to defensive end, uh, he fits the mold perfectly to what you want in that edge, athletic, freaky long arms, pass rusher. And, you know, we got a sack in the first game against BYU, wreaked havoc uh, against South Alabama. And I think he's only going to continue to get better just because he he has that perfect build that you want, and as long as, as long as it takes him to, to learn that defense, I think that that's just going to be a, a slow and steady progress with him. And, Dan, they kind of went away from a four-man rotation. Just the way that game went on the defensive line, um, they didn't have to rotate in four DNs. Uh, you saw Ross DeZuris as kind of the swing man, and, and that's probably the way you have to do it because I think everybody on here knows – it's a significant drop-off after Freedom to Ross, then Ross to the next guy. I mean, there's really not a clear-cut guy between Cedric King, A.J. Natter, um, and Marcus Newby needs to be playing linebacker, and uh, that's another guy. I was impressed with Newby and what he showed. Um, for someone that's been really overshadowed by Dedrick Young, I thought he came out and played well and showed his playmaking ability. He's another one of those guys that when the lights are on, you, you can see him make some play sometimes. Yeah, they they only have Newby down for one tackle in the <laughs> – defensive statistics but hmm. it feels like he had more it, of a presence right it feels like he played much better than that I, I think that's a guy who's got some talent and like I said you know if you or if the coaching staff would choose to slide Rose Ivy into that Mike spot uh you know Marcus Newby could still start on the outside and real quick before we leave got to give a shout to Jonathan Rose too you know this oh, yeah. is this is a guy who's struggled a lot over the past couple of years and kind of got his first shot on Saturday to play extensively, and I thought he played pretty well, especially against a team that was throwing the ball well. And, you know, before we close, guys, I want to stick on the secondary. Um, Daniel Davey, another guy, was targeted in that game on Saturday nine times. They completed seven passes on him for 131 or 134 yards. Not a good day for Daniel Davey, uh, but the coaching staff has stuck behind him, but they politely said, you know, we do have Chris Jones and we do have Jonathan Rose now back in the mix. Um, so Mike Riley and uh, Mark Banker have quote unquote options. Well, the thing that was kind of funny about that game was it wasn't like Daniel Davey was getting beat a whole lot, I didn't think. I thought he was in position on a lot of those plays to, to make a play on the ball. You know, he was there, he wasn't getting torched. But uh, for whatever reason, he just didn't play the ball very well. Maybe he wasn't seeing well. I don't know what it was. And uh, secondary coach Brian Stewart kind of talked about it yesterday. He said, you know, we've got to work with these guys. You know, they're doing a great job getting in position and being where they need to be, but they've got to be able to make a better play on the ball. And he said, that's that's my job. I've got to get them to do that. And, and this week will be a week where they are tested. You, you know what Miami's about. They have skill talent. Brad Kaya has an arm. They are going to throw the ball around the yard and put Nebraska's defensive backs in, in situations. 
and that will ultimately be the biggest key to this game on Saturday because Nebraska's uh, running defense will shut down Miami. Miami will not run the ball on Nebraska, in my opinion, but it's those secondary guys that are going to have to come to play because Brad Kaya, we know what this guy can do. Yeah, and I, I, a couple coaches even said that they expect Miami to do play action, pass, throw deep against Daniel Davey on the very first play. So we'll see if that plays out. All right, we come back. We'll shift over to our Stockwatch segment, and Nate Klaus will join us here on the podcast. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. That's actually my favorite game I ever played in, for real. This is an exciting atmosphere, uh, a lot of history behind those games. I remember it was real, really physical, very verbal, and um, they kind of they kind of made it a personal game. Like, you might not have knew them individually, personally, but they would take shots at you verbally and physically as you in the game of play. So it's just going to be one of those physical, verbal games where you're going to have to keep your head and just not get overwhelmed with what's going on. And that was Jonathan Rose and Malik Collins talking about this mini rivalry between Nebraska and Miami. These guys don't know each other, but they just don't like each other. And we saw that last year. There were a couple of pretty good altercations that broke out. One of them was nearly a bench-clearing deal, just a lot of talking and pushing. Um, you know, Hopefully we don't see that again on Saturday. Uh, but as we start our Stock Up, Stock Down segment, we bring Nate Klaus here into the Husker Online Show, Dan Hoppin, Robin Washington, Sean Callahan here. Uh, I'm going to go with the shoes, guys. Uh, a group vote here. Uh, Adidas came out with these special shoes for Nebraska-Miami, kind of commemorating uh, Nebraska's 17 trips to the Orange Bowl. They have a palm tree on them. I like them. Uh, I know some of the players didn't like them. Uh, I'm going to say stock up. Robin, what do you think? You know, I'm looking at them right now, and I was a little turned off by the palm tree at first, but here's the deal. It's for one game in Miami. Why not do something different? I mean, I know a lot of fans have been clamoring for Nebraska to mix things up, and uh, this is a nice way to do it in a subtle way that uh, I'm sure, you know, there's some players that probably do like it, even though we haven't, you know, necessarily heard from them much. But uh, I don't know. I'm going to go stock up. Stock down. Damn. Way down. I hate, hate these things. And it's not even the palm tree that bothers me so much, but if you look on the inside of the shoe, there's just a bunch of tiny little ends, like randomly placed all over the shoe. It looks like something my six-year-old cousin would have drawn on a sheet of paper. I do not like these. Adidas just needs to stop. They could have put an orange this. on there, maybe for the orange bowl. They could just go with regular cleats. These look ridiculous. <laughs> I am not a fan at all. Hey, the players get another free pair of shoes. Nate, your thoughts? Stock up for me. I like them. I think they're different. And those those little ends that are random. There's 17 of them commemorating the 17 Orange Bowls that Nebraska has played See? in. There you go, Nate. I don't, I don't care how many there are. They still look bad. Well, I, I, I like them. I think you need to do something different. And, yeah. you know, with all the different uh, uniform combinations and everything that's out there these days, you know, this is something that Nebraska's got to do. And, and Adidas needs to, you know, continue I, to help Nebraska do it. I said on the radio, at least they're not wearing just some, like, space galactic boot-looking shoe. Because that, that's what these uniforms have gone to yeah. where these guys guys are wearing like crazy looking astronaut outfits on the football or colors that have that aren't even your colors mm -hmm. i mean with, oh, we'll get that at Northwestern when Nebraska wears the blacks. But, Dan, you're down on the shoes. I'm but who, who who are you up on this week's stock up? I'm way up on Nick Gates. I think, uh, you know, Nebraska, we kind of talked about how the whole offensive line played well this week. I think you can make an argument that Nick Gates has probably been Nebraska's best lineman through the first Consistent. two games of the season. You know, this is a guy who is looking like he could potentially be a four-year starter at right tackle. 
Um, he's been great so far. Just real no complaints uh, on his part. Sometimes the best thing that you can say about an offensive lineman is you don't notice them during the game because they're not getting beat. And I think that's the case with Gates. He, he hasn't gotten beat much. Nate Klaus, stock up. Stock up for me is the satellite camps. You know, once again, um, you know, satellite camp conversation has been, you know, kind of brought out into the forefront, and, and Nebraska's, you know, has cashed in on it. They had an excellent tour back in June. I've already gained, you know, one commitment out of that Miami satellite camp. I have another kid in Greg Simmons who's committed to him from the Miami area. Now they go back down there this week, um, you know, you know, create more of a presence down there and uh, get in front of more kids, and they're going to be heading out to a, a couple games and I think it's just uh, really paid dividends so far. Robin Washett stock up. I'm going to go the bounce back week for the entire Big Ten Conference. I mean obviously Nebraska got their first win of the Mike Riley era. Uh, Michigan State got the big signature win of the weekend over Oregon. Ohio State took care of business shut out Hawaii. Uh, even Michigan got the first Harbaugh win over Oregon State at home which was a nice win and uh, obviously the two black eyes were the two new kids on the block Maryland and Rutgers and we probably won't talk much about them but uh, overall a pretty good week after what was a, a rough start to the season in week one for me guys Amir Abdullah I mean what what has this guy not proven already um, I mean he's a starting running back uh, for the Detroit Lions had a touchdown on his first, carry, first yeah. carry of the NFL and I mean you watch him he just looks he looks fast and it's hard to look fast in the NFL at that level and his cuts and movements, um, he's going to be special if he stays healthy there in Detroit. All right, stock down. Dan, what do you have? My stock down is Nebraska's defense giving up big plays. This has really been an issue for Nebraska so far. They've already given up 12 plays of 20 or more yards. That's 107th in the country. Eight plays of 30 yards or more. Three plays of 40 yards or more. I mean, these are, these are bad numbers. <laughs> Nebraska has really given up some chunk yardage and you know obviously they haven't really played the best opponents of our BYU is good but South Alabama was able to hit on a couple big ones too and that's something that Nebraska is going to have to clean up Nate Klaus stock down stock down Penn State and quarterback Christian Hackenberg you know the both uh Penn State and Hackenberg received a bunch of hype, you know, preseason. Uh, they come out and kind of lay an egg against Temple and then look very pedestrian against, mm -hmm. uh, you know, a, a Buffalo team that's not very good. So, um, you know, I think James Franklin, you know, that he's got to do something with that offense. It, it looks anemic, and especially when you're talking about a, you know, a potential, you know, first-round quarterback at the helm, that's, that's not a good look for Penn State. Yeah, them and Tennessee are the two teams that get all the hype on the college football shows. Everybody thinks Butch Jones is going to get it going. He might get it going, but they won six games last year and they, they looked like garbage against Oklahoma and Oklahoma came back down to win that game. I'd throw them in that same category. Robin, who do you have stock down? You know, when the Miami-Nebraska series was first announced, I circled it on my calendar as the you know day I get to go down to Miami and enjoy the sunshine on the beach and get the full South Florida experience. Well, I just looked at the forecast, and it's going to rain all week. 90% chance on Friday, 60% chance on Saturday. And if this interferes with my beach time, I'm going to be very, very upset. I'm going to be very upset, too, as well, but I'm sure we'll still have some fun. My stock down, Randy Gregory gets hurt in his first NFL game. Uh, second, second NFL game, and he's going to be out. Um, you know, oh, wait, no, it is the first. First. Yeah. I got you on NFL <laughs> stuff there. My gosh. Oh, man. I'm it's a later a... start this year, uh, but yeah, Randy Gregory is going to be out for a few weeks uh, with an injury, not a start that he wanted 
uh, for his uh, opening of his career. But uh, guys, Dan, Robin, looking forward to the trip to Miami. I'll see you guys Let's out there. Bright and early on Friday. <laughs> right. well, and, uh, we'll, we'll close things up next with Nate Klaus as we'll talk recruiting here on the Husker Online Show. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. We had a huge camp in Florida this last year. I don't. I think there were were there 400 kids at that camp. Do you remember? So we had a lot of kids down there. Met a lot of coaches that were that came by, and it's an area we want to be in. And and so I think it's it's great to play down there. And that was Nebraska head coach Mike Riley talking about just the recruiting presence this weekend's game will have for the Huskers down in South Florida. Welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus, we're closing out the show here with some recruiting talk. And and let's hit on that first, Nate. Uh, uh, Coach Riley said earlier this week on Monday they will have at least two coaches out at games, if not more, Friday night while they're down in the South Florida, Miami area. Uh, taking advantage of the recruiting opportunity. And we were down there with them for that satellite camp in Doral. Um, it was the biggest of the satellite camps. Uh, you have to believe that's an area that Nebraska wants to continue to hit. Absolutely. You know, they're continuing to, to you know, prepare and, and uh, put their brand out there. And they did a great job doing that this summer, um, you know, getting in front of over 400 kids at that, at that camp. Uh, actually having one commit come out of that camp in, in DiCaprio Boodle. And uh, they've got uh, Greg Simmons that's down in the area that actually flipped from Miami to Nebraska. Um, you know, so it's it's huge for them to go down there, take care of business against Miami, but also to continue to get out in front of these kids and, and show their faces at these games and everything and create more of a presence down there. So do you think they'll go to Boodle and Simmons' games, or do you think they're going to try to maybe uh, unturn some new stones down there? You know, I think that uh, what we'll see is, is them maybe one coach will go to, one of the other kids' games um, and then uh, maybe another coach or two go to some other games to kind of unturn some new stones, you know, try to get in front of uh, some new players and try to get an, an in-person evaluation, you know, of some new guys that maybe uh, are on their radar, but they haven't quite pulled the trigger on as far as offering yet. Well, let's move on now here to the recruiting weekend for Nebraska. The Huskers hosted a, a night game against South Alabama, had several different visitors in. Uh, they get a commit uh, right out of the bat. Uh, Darian Grimm, formerly a Boise State wide receiver commit, flips to Nebraska on Monday as he leaves Lincoln. First of all, are you surprised and, and your thoughts on Grimm? Well, I'm not very surprised uh, that he flipped. You know, Nebraska offered him after his first game of the season. Now, this is a kid that Keith Williams, a Nebraska's wide receivers coach, had been on for quite a while. And uh, they had a dialogue going back, you know, well over, you know, um, to this past spring. So uh, this is this is a guy that had been on the radar. You know, he comes out in his first game of the year and, and has seven touchdowns. Uh, six you know, uh, receiving touchdowns and then had a 90-yard kick return for a touchdown. And that was all the film that they needed to, to go ahead and, and feel comfortable offering. And uh, and he's continued that production. You know, he, He's leading the state of California in scoring. He's leading the state of California in receiving yards. So uh, he's having a monster season. And when I talked to him after Nebraska offered, he gushed about Keith Williams and, and how you know he's uh, he thinks Keith Williams is the best wide receivers coach in the country. Um, he knows all about 
about Nebraska's tradition and, and the academics and everything. And uh, so when him and his father came to Lincoln this weekend, it wasn't a huge surprise that they went ahead and, and flipped that commitment. And you look, Nate, at that wide receiver position. They had a lot of turnover in the offseason uh, with some scholarship guys going, moving on or being dismissed. Uh, they only took two last year, and one of them's already hurt, LeVan Austin. How important is receiver right now to get guys in this class? It's very important in this class, and I and I think that uh, you know that we're going to see them take four guys in this class. They already have two committed, and J.D. Spielman and and the most recent commit, uh, Durian Grimm. And, and, you know, I think that, uh, you know, one big need at that position going forward is, is a big-bodied wide receiver. I know they definitely want to get a guy that's, you know, 6'4", 6'5", and, and above, and, you know, uh, a big physical presence out there. And then they want to add another kind of all-purpose, you know, receiver that can do a little bit of everything in this offense. And, and right now the, the top candidate is Darian Owens, the Rivals 250 wide receiver who's actually committed to UCLA that, that visited the first weekend for the BYU game. Um, you know, he's still committed to BYU, but he's kind of shut things down, hasn't really said a whole lot, uh, isn't doing interviews right now. And I think Nebraska is, is giving him, you know, uh, a lot to think about. And, uh, and we could possibly be seeing a flip coming there soon. We're talking recruiting here with Nate Klaus on the Husker online show. It was a busy weekend for the Huskers as they had a night game. They had several visitors in. They get a commit from Darian Grimm. Uh, one of the other big storylines involved current commitment, Quayshawn Alexander. He visited Lincoln uh, with his family, I assume, Nate? No, he was by himself. By himself. Uh, was that, un- I mean, were they hoping to get the family with him on the trip? Well, you know, his mother has been sick for a long time, and, and I, I don't know if she's able uh, to travel uh, at this point in time or not. So, um, you know, it, it's always ideal to get the family up there, you know, uh, to come along on the visit, but I don't know that that was necessarily an option with uh, Quayshawn Alexander's situation right now. What's your read on how the visit went? Quayshawn has talked about visiting Michigan State, Virginia Tech, Iowa, Notre Dame, do you think Nebraska did enough to lock him up? Well, he said the visit went – it was perfect. He rated it a perfect 10, said it went as about as well as it could have. Uh, he's got a very strong relationship with Trent Bray, and uh, and he was able to form more of a bond with a lot of the current players on the team. Now, having said that, I, he's still planning on taking those other official visits, and, and I think that, uh, you know, it's not, a, it's not a huge surprise that he's going to be doing that. You know, from the get-go, his mother has been the one that's wanted him to take advantage – of all those visits and um, you know I think that maybe she reluctantly you know let him go ahead and commit just because he was so so passionate about committing to Nebraska uh, this past June but uh, I think she she's still kind of pushing those visits and and that's what's going to happen so Nebraska you know is going to have to continue to recruit him extremely hard you know this isn't done by any means but at the same time he's um, he's saying all the right things and and uh, you know all all signs point to him ending up in Lincoln eventually you look at Quayshawn we have him at rivals listed as a defensive end 6'2", 235. Is there a chance with Nebraska's need and the lack of defensive end options, he could end up as a DN, or is this a guy that wants to be a linebacker and play out there in space? Well, he wants to be a linebacker, and, and Nebraska has recruited him primarily as a linebacker. However, 
I think a lot's just going to uh, be determined on how he continues to to grow and, and fill out once he gets into Nebraska's program, you know, strength and conditioning program, and starts working out with Mark Phillip. You know, it's very um, it's very easy, I, I think, to to be able to project him as a 250, 260 pound guy, uh, which would ultimately you know maybe lend him to uh, putting his hand down on the ground and being more of a rush end. So we'll see what happens, how he continues to develop. But at this point in time, you know, the recruit him as an outside linebacker. And as we we close here, Nate, in, in the final minutes, you had a chance to go out and, and see some in-state games the last few weeks. I know Moses Bryant from Elkhorn South and a number of other guys. Uh, give me a, a couple thoughts on some of the guys you've seen here around the state. Well, Elkhorn South is an extremely impressive uh, team right now. You know, I don't know that they've given up a single point on defense. Uh, Moses Bryant. You just jinxed him. Yeah, Moses Bryant on offense is uh, he is uh, uh, the real deal. He's a v- extremely explosive He's a threat to take it to the house, you know, whether it be running the ball. Um, you know, maybe the thing I'm most impressed with is his ability to run routes. He's a very polished, uh, you know, route runner, and, and I think that he could be, you know, potentially recruited as a wide receiver on the next level as well as uh, running back. So I've been impressed with him. Cameron Jurgens uh, at Beatrice is another guy, you know, the 2018 tight end commit out of, out of Beatrice was impressive the other night. Now, now Beatrice kind of went back to their old school, you know, power run game against Elkhorn and and uh, you know uh, he didn't get very many targets you know from from Alec Cromer the quarterback but at the same time he was handling his business up up front on the line and that's what you like to see sometimes out of a young tight end you know can they block are they physical and, and Cameron Jurgens is certainly that he's a monster yeah he's a monster he's going to be uh, that play against Ralston it was unbelievable. Yeah, where he caught a touchdown and, and, you know, three or four defenders basically just bounced right off of him and he took it to the house for about 45 yards. You just don't see very many sophomores do that. And, um, you know, he's an impressive, impressive young player. And then David Inglehop had a chance to kind of see some of him, some of him in action, uh, the Wyoming commitment, you know. Uh, and he's, again, another impressive athlete. He plays running back and linebacker in, uh, you know, in high school. But I think that he – you know, kind of projects more as a, a defensive end or a, or potentially a tight end at the next level. I, I know Wyoming's recruited him as a linebacker, but I just see him out, kind of outgrowing that position eventually. Well, Nate, thanks a lot for all the hard work the last couple of weeks with the uh, official visits and, and looking forward. I'm sure you're looking forward to the uh, the road game so you can kind of catch your breath this weekend. Yeah, it should be good. Uh, and I'm looking forward to, to seeing, you know, what kind of offers may come out of uh, this this Miami trip that these coaches are going on. Well, that wraps it up here for another edition of the Husker Online Show. Thanks again for joining us this week on HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. 